I invite Ruth to, uh, to come forward and lead us in our scripture reading now. And readings from John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I've no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you for reading that passage. And the sharp-eyed or sharp hearers among you will remember that we have done this passage literally a number of weeks ago. And in fairness to you guys, I can remember it only because it was my wife that actually um, <laughs> led us in that passage. So um, today we're going to do a recap. We're going on a journey and we're going to do a recap of what Alison spoke about. A declaration by Jesus and we're going to have a prequel to next week as well, and a calling. So there's a lot going to be going on this morning. Now, if you remember, Alison focused on the key phrase, pick up your mat. So today, this, as far as I can see, may well be a personal journey, perhaps even a challenge. So, if we've got a challenge, there's always a good place to start, and that's in prayer. So why don't we pray for a moment? Father, we open our hearts to you this morning. We know that as your disciples, we yearn or need to yearn to learn more about the life of Jesus, the words that he spoke and the works that he performed. But more than that, Father, we want to come into a personal relationship and to experientially know Jesus more. We want to walk with Jesus more. We want to be transformed to be more like him each day. Father, would you help us and guide us in our scripture today by your Holy Spirit so that we may come to know you better and follow you more closely so that we are more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, so I'm going to set the scene. Bethesda. We're back in Jerusalem again, yeah? And the pool of Bethesda is near the Sheep Gate. I guess you all knew that. You've all seen the maps, the Sheep Gate, the pool of Bethesda, and outside the Sheep Gate, there's a whole bundle of what? Sheep. <laughs> what happened was that the sheep for sacrifice were kept outside of the city walls by the sheep gate. And when they came through on their, on their journey towards the temple, they got washed in the pool of Bethesda on the way to sacrifice at the temple. Jesus healed the man at the pool of, in Hebrew, Bet Hester. And you know when you do a little bit of digging around and a little bit of research, you find out interesting facts along the way. Well, here's my interesting fact along the way. Bet Hester is like Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yeah? And what it actually means, Bethlehem, is house of bread. Bethesda actually means house of mercy. Man, spoke about that. So without any commonality here, Holy Spirit's giving us a bit of a theme this morning already. House of mercy, house of grace. But interestingly, in Hebrew, it could also mean a place of shame or disgrace. Now, if you think culturally back to first century, then quite often when people had um, a disease, or sickness, or ailments, or mental incapacity, that brought shame or disgrace on the family at that moment. Yeah, and so that's how the Hebrew name of Bethesda gets uh, translated. Now, I don't know what version of the Bible that you guys actually go to. I, I quite like the uh, Christian Standard Bible, um, but the King James Version and all my Alpharites over there and there will remember that the King James Version of the Bible is often in English referred to as the definitive version or the go-to version if anything needs clarification or greater understanding. <clears throat> you guys heard that before? Yeah, brilliant, fantastic. So the King James Version translates one word differently from any other version. And I'm gonna read it to you now. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk waiting for the uh, moving of the water. So, we have this picture of this. Actually, there were two pools at Bethesda, five columns, four around the outside, one down the middle, two pools on either side. 
there was a great multitude of people there, yeah? A great many sick people. Now, in 1611, when the King James Bible was, uh, was first put together, the word impotent had a very different meaning to that of today. It meant a person without strength, a person who was unable to better themselves, a person who was unable to do something for himself to improve his situation. So here, in this story, we have the story of an impotent man meeting with the omnipotent man, Jesus. A man who was powerless to change his situation, meeting with the all-powerful man, the man able to change all situations, the one with all strength and power and authority, the man, Jesus. So this was a place of physical sickness. It was a place of spiritual sickness, a place where people felt who felt unable to improve their own situation. They gathered there. And whilst we'd have been able to see a lot of physical sickness on view, then, like today, we wouldn't have been able to see or comprehend so well those with a spiritual sickness, yeah. or even those who simply had no hope or ability. They didn't actually have the ability or the chance or the opportunity to dig themselves out of life situations. And we need today to look closely in our communications with people. We need to use our gifts of and skills of spiritual discernment. But what in this passage captured my thinking was this word, impotent. Somebody without the power to change their situation. And it kind of resonated with me because in this time that we're entering into of energy poverty, in this time of seemingly endless spiraling of prices of food, although I have to say, not so much at the coal <laughs> and mortgage costs. It resonated because, firstly, the potential effects that I know that it could well have on my family, my two boys and their, 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 their partners. Because neither of them, at their age, have encountered anything of this kind of spiraling inflation at the moment. And already we've begun to see reports of how people feel impotent to escape from their financial burdens, heating costs, food costs, but more of that later. 
The question for each of us this morning is this. Have we a physical burden? Have we a spiritual burden? Have we got a need for breakthrough? Have we got a burden that we just can't see the way out of? Are we, this morning, impotent or feeling unable to change our situation? There are many types of burdens. We've said many of them, financial, physical. Sometimes the difficulty in making a, a, a decision in something. Indeed, our burden might simply be one of trusting that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way forward. Of course, you will immediately have spring to mind his promise to each and every one of us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden is light. I wonder if we might contend that each one of us here today, to a greater or lesser extent, carries a burden that we are finding difficult to put down. Or even, dare I say, it might we recognise that we are clutching onto it in the fear of the unknown. We're like holding onto it like a stinking comfort blanket. You see, many of us here are already followers of Jesus. We have already been given the freedom and the release in his name. We've been given the promise of a future in him. Jeremiah 29 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, my friend. He calls us our, his friend. For I know the plans I have for you, my friend. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. <coughs> trusting in Jesus as the answer? Or are we still clutching our mat of impotence, fearful and unwilling to move? That is why Jesus asked the question of the man, do you want to get well? Do you like your excuse? There is a time coming soon that we are being called to action, both as individuals and as a church family, to work together to help others in this community who will be struggling who will be gradually feeling encircled by a feeling of 
impotence, a loss of hope. And the thing is that we are God's answer in this community. The followers of Jesus are the ones who are called to come alongside people in compassion and, as Matt said, in mercy. And Jesus wants his people to be ready. He wants us to be the answer to people who are already hurting and struggling. John 16, verse 33, Jesus says this, In this world you will have trouble. And then I always read it like, but Jesus laughs. So I'll read it again. In this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So, if Jesus has overcome the world and all his promises to us, his followers, are yes and amen then we as his disciples have already been empowered, <coughs> authorised and commanded to come alongside the weak, the weary, the hurting and the impotent. John 13, Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When Jesus came to the pool at Bethesda, the pool of mercy, he looked with love and mercy at this man. Do you know what? Sometimes this is really tough, isn't it? Consider this thought. Mercy towards someone begins first with how you see them, how you view them. But you see, when Jesus gives you a command, it begins first with your need to obey that command, and then he gives you the power and the strength to do it. It may look impossible to us, but he always makes a way. He wouldn't give you a command if he didn't also give you the strength, the power, and the means to fulfill that command. Jesus says, love this person or that person. Or even somebody that we're having difficulty with. This is where it gets really tough. Our response might be, I can't do that. I don't feel any love. Jesus didn't feel love. 
He said, love them. Love is a verb. Love is an action. And we are to demonstrate love towards people. And here's the thing. When you proactively decide to obey, and sometimes for me, it is a physical stepping forward and saying along the way, Jesus, I can't do this, but I choose to step into the situation and you make a way. And he has never, never let me down. Jesus, when you decide to respond, gives a love in you, a love that you never knew existed in you, and your feelings begin to change. And when your feelings begin to change, your actions begin to change as well. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Do you remember last week, the short film Matt showed and the testimony of the man that was saved from the spiral of debt that he unwittingly became involved in due to his circumstances? This man was impotent. He was unable to better himself, to improve his situation on his own. But you see, when somebody from CAP, Christians Against Poverty, first showed compassion on him, then befriended him, that led to assistance. Assistance started to lead to a resolution of some of his problems. That led to church. That led him to become overcome and overwhelmed with the generosity of people welcoming him and showing him a care. These events led him to being saved and now a follower of Jesus. Why? Because someone first showed him. This is the model that Jesus first showed us. And it's simple as first showing compassion and mercy in our hearts, which then leads us in the verb to action. This is who we are called to be. And it is the Holy Spirit that prompts us. We obey and he gives us the strength, the power and the means to make it happen and pull it all together. So as we come to a close this morning, in the coming days, this church family will be exploring specifically how we believe God is leading us to help our community through this winter of energy and economic crisis. Today is a time of preparation and we have a choice to make. Jesus said, do you want to get well?
Each one of us has some aspect of our life that needs the healing touch of Jesus. And I believe today that he wants to speak into people's lives and bring restoration, healing, and new gifts. Perhaps it may even be the new gift of compassion and mercy beyond the measure that we already have in our hearts. So if you perceive that God is nudging you this morning and is wanting to do something in, you, in your life today, if you perceive that there is something that needs laying down or leaving behind or healing or a release of new gifts, if you perceive that Jesus is simply saying to you, pick up your mat and walk, and after this service, there are going to be those amongst us that will be delighted to pray with you and for you. Come and make yourself known. At the beginning, I said we're going to, um, uh, I thought that God was calling us to make a declaration, a decree, a reminder about who we are and an encouragement in what we believe. I was drawn to Psalm 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. But if we believe his promises here, then we can move forward in strength of faith and of character. And that places us as a church family in a strong position to come alongside and be <clears throat> compassionate in helping others. There are times when an audible declaration spoken out sets things in place. You are our God. We trust in you. Our hope is in you. We depend on you. I don't know if you can relate to this. I could. So often in our spiritual lives, when we hear somebody speaking, we come to an agreement or realisation simply in our mind or our intellect. And it's a, yeah, that's a passing thought. I agree with that. This Psalm 91 verse 2 is a decree. It is not a passive statement. It's not just something to be thought of in our head or to be repeated in our mind. So I wonder if we might do this together right now. Right now. We're going to make a declaration of belief. If you're able, would you stand? And we're going to say together, I will say of the Lord, I will say, he is my refuge, he is my refuge. And, my fortress. and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Say it again, I will say of the Lord, I will say say Lord. he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. One more time. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, 
my God in whom I trust. I have no other way through this. We have no other way through this. My plans are nothing, but his plans is the only way. The only way. The only way is through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're still able to stand, let's pray together as we close. Father, we thank you that we are your people in this place. We gather together to worship you this morning. We thank you that we hear about Jesus meeting with this man, 38 years unable to help himself. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who helps those who cannot help themselves, whether it's physically, mentally, or spiritually. This morning, Father, would you help us to better see the groups of people and individuals, not as a bother or an inconvenience, but as our opportunity to be a blessing. Would you help us to be a way to extend mercy to them in the way that Jesus did? To see them with the eyes of compassion and love and mercy. Father, whatever you are calling us to do, as impossible as it might sound to us, may we simply take a step forward in obedience knowing that we will be met by the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit to pull it off to your glory and renown. And we ask this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Please take a seat.